You are listening to Tell It From Calvary, a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, New York City, where we preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. The following sermon is by Dr. Ed Stetzer, author, missiologist, and interim teaching pastor at Calvary. For upcoming events and services, visit our website at cbcnyc.org. And now, here is today's message. Hey, Ed Stetzer here, um, and so good to be with Calvary Baptist Church today. I can tell that you can tell that I'm obviously not in my normal location today. I'm actually uh, trying to get a few days off. Matter of fact, it reminded me, because I'm always thinking of New York when I'm talking to you. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to go up to Banner Lodge. So someone has to tell me like, if they've been to Banner Lodge. Um, it was It's now a golf course, but back in the day... There was a place. A lot. Of, it was actually a lot of Jewish performers would go there. There's a whole, and I, I didn't know. Like we just got in my dad's '71 Buick Skylark, and we drove from Long Island up to I think Connecticut. And anyway, so we trying to get a few days away. Hope you have that opportunity as well. So I'm actually recording at Wheaton College's um, campground, Honey Rockets called. But again, um, probably uh, an important topic for us to talk about today. But I'm going to do it from a nice location, so I hope you'll forgive me. But the topic is actually going to be uh, suffering well for the sake of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Then we're just kind of walking through Philippians, just verses by verses, and getting a picture for hopefully what the Lord has for us. Because the reality is these are hard times. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons that we just had to get away, um, it's, just, it's just been hard. And so in doing so, we try to cope in different ways. So let me read the passage first. It's from Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. It says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Remember, he's in prison at this time. It says, so that it has become known throughout the Praetorian Guard, the Imperial Guard, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of my brothers, having been confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others, he says, uh, but others, and this is key, uh, from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Now, again, remember several themes here throughout the book of Philippians. One of the themes is joy, a recurring theme. Another is gospel partnership, right? That's there. So there's these themes that we're going to be, we'll be weaving throughout the month of August. But also, too, one of the themes here is going to be that Paul will occasionally deal specifically with um, one topic in depth. In this case, that topic is suffering. So suffering is part of the title of this message, Suffering Well for the sake of the gospel. We could talk about it as providence and how gospel advances in the midst of that because it's centered around how Paul's suffering led to the advance of the gospel. But this is also going to be a message that's a lot more than just dealing with suffering. In other words, um, not how Paul suffered, but how he dealt with it. And because there's specifics around imprisonment and rivalries, but we're going to look at the principles of suffering. So we'll look at several things, including some principles around suffering. Because when what we see in the Bible is that suffering is actually normal, must be expected, and should not be wasted. Right? Suffering is normal, 
must be expected and should not be wasted. All of us will go through some season of suffering. Uh, you might have just left one, or you are in one, or you'll be going in one as well. You know, all of us who suffer will go through, and we'll go through, all of us will suffer, and we'll go through a season of suffering. This is why we need some distinction between happiness and joy. And this passage helps us with that, the difference here, right? If you are happy when you suffer, there's something wrong. There's something uh, you need to maybe be more aware of your circumstances. But if you're joyful when we suffer, we know something important is at work in you. Happiness is more based on happenstance, what is coincidence, happenstance. That's part of why joy is so outrageous here. I mean, Philippians is just filled with references to joy written by a guy in prison. Because it's a joy that remains in the midst of difficulty. Um, there's a there's a very famous quote. It goes like this. He is no fool. It's from Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And it's a very famous quote. And it's actually, the, the quote's actually written in a journal. And that journal is just um, 50 feet from my office. Um, and uh, in, in, the, in the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center archives. And this is actually this is actually a picture of the journal itself. You can actually see the part that he has. Uh, there's a little green star next to it, and uh, of course, we don't know who put the star or who underlined it. But he wrote the words: "He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose." Well, what you know is is um, he wrote this in the journal, but that's not the end of the story, right? So the story continues that. The author of this, and the reason maybe this quote became famous, is he was killed. Um, and and what happened was, is they were trying to, and I won't spend the whole time telling the whole story, they were seeking to evangelize a unengaged tribe in Ecuador. And uh, the Wayadani people, Wayadani people, and um, they were killed in the process, right? And imagine the suffering that Elizabeth Elliot, his wife, went through and more. And that this phrase became so key because we know that our suffering pales in comparison to what we have in Christ. So we're in the midst when we're in the midst of suffering, maybe for the cause of the gospel, it'd be really easy to forget that God uses suffering for his glory and our good. So let's take a look at a few things. Number one on our outline is a suffering well demonstrates our faith. This is verses twelve and thirteen. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul's in prison in Rome waiting to appear before Caesar for doing what Jesus directed him to do. There's several ways he could respond. Anger, discouragement, depression. Um, he could try to pull off an escape for that matter. But Paul's response is really incredible. He says that his suffering has actually been used by God to increase the spread of the gospel message. He's encouraging the church at Philippi, instructing them not to worry because God has used his suffering for Paul's suffering for God's glory. Now, um, jail isn't happy. Many, some of you, maybe some of you experience incarceration, um, but here he's in prison for doing what God has asked him to do, waiting to talk to Caesar. So the question really is, if it's not if you will go suffering it's through suffering, it's when you will go through suffering, right? So that question is there. But then the question is not even that, but how will you deal with it when it comes? Here, suffering has been used by God to increase the spread of the gospel message, right? So this is kind of, this passage is kind of the pre-training we need for suffering, right? You think about, um, you get ready for you join the military, you go to boot camp because you get you do certain things to learn to be ready for battle. 
this passage is like getting us ready for battle. It's kind of the pre-training we need for suffering so that when suffering comes, we're not shocked. We're ready. I came to Christ in a tradition that, that kind of taught that suffering wasn't normal, expected, and maybe you're out of the will of God for experiencing it. And um, that was heartbreaking because when I saw suffering, I mentioned my sister a few times because uh, she's the first one to come to Christ riding a bus to a little church in Westbury uh, next to Long, on, Le- on Long Island next to Levittown. But my sister uh, got cancer soon after that. She got cancer, a rare form of cancer, when she was 12 and uh, went through a really hard time of chemo, uh, really difficult time as a family. And she then would later, it would recur about eight years later, and she would die very suddenly. And I remember being not a new believer, but still a young believer. And, you know, I was just a year, I was 11 months younger than her. And I didn't have the theological tools to deal with suffering and brokenness. And and tools, you know, I don't know the tools are the right word for that. I didn't, I just didn't know that suffering, we don't escape suffering in this life. She was a Christian. We had people praying for her all over the world. And, and yet she died and suffered and died. Uh, and I saw her faith through the midst of that. And it, it bolstered my faith as well. I had to learn these things as well. So let's take a look at a few issues around suffering. Just knowing, um, you know, even part like right now, just, just, but just honestly, one of the reasons our family just had to get away is we're just experiencing a hard time uh, with things, details I want to share, but just some some challenges um, we're suffering too, and and I don't like that. I don't I don't want you to experience that. But following God when it's going well is not that hard. Um, but following God and trusting Him when it's hard, man, that's where faith comes in. Suffering is normal must be expected and should not be wasted. The question is not if you will have suffering, but how you will deal with it. And if you deal with it well, it evidences your faith and helps others see that God is real. If you deal with it well, it evidences your faith and helps others to see that God is real. So that's what I want for me. I want to deal with it well. I want to, even in our own family struggle right now, um, and to, 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 to trust the Lord in the midst of um, in the midst of it. You know, it's interesting because it's brought Don and I closer together. Again, it's these things are always multifaceted. But we need to understand that sometimes God will allow us to go through suffering for our benefit and for his glory. We need to understand this now so that when the time comes, we don't throw up our hands in anger or despair at God, but joyfully endure the hardship. That's a hard phrase. Joyfully endure the hardship and ask God to use it for his glory. Again, try to picture what's going on here in Rome. Right, so uh, he's under house arrest. So soldiers are constantly on duty to watch him. They probably trade off in shifts. One soldier leaves after guarding. Another comes on duty. Every one of these soldiers, soldiers, Paul, is getting to share the gospel. No wonder Jesus is becoming known well throughout the imperial guard. Right, so we've got to learn to, in the midst of that, even go through that suffering. It's interesting. John Piper helps us understand this. Uh, but he writes, he has a sermon called glorifying God through joy in suffering. He says this, let me quote him. The primary and most effective way to glorify God with your life and fulfill your purpose in existence is by the way you relate to God in suffering. Primary, most effective. The world is not impressed by Christians who have everything and just turn into gratitude on Sunday. They're just not that impressed. Excuse me. Show the worth of God by the way you maintain your joy when everything but God goes. 
The Great Commission is not going to be done without martyrs. Do you believe that God is so valuable, so precious, that if you lose everything, not only can you retain your joy, but you can walk right into suffering, choose it for the cause of love, and know that your joy is being increased in the reward in heaven. Powerful, powerful. So let's let's look at suffering with a couple of subpoints here, right? First thing I want you to see is that there's suffering for the cause of Christ, which is what Paul is experiencing. But I want to broaden this because that's not the only form of suffering. But suffering for the cause of Christ, it says this in 2 Timothy 3.1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Well, the last days, biblically, is basically now and has been for two centuries. But suffering sifts the soul. Let me just be clear. I'm opposed to suffering. I don't want suffering. However, suffering is normal, must be expected, and should not be wasted. Okay, so some's for the cause of Christ. Some is suffering from our fallen world. So that suffering from our fallen world, we see in 1 Peter 2.19, it says, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. It's just unjustly because the world around us is broken. And uh, when it rains, it rains on the just and the unjust. And we experience that as well. It's suffering as a result of the sin of the world. And we ask, why doesn't God take all the suffering away? I, I, I ask that, and, and the world's still broken. Well, it won't go away till Christ comes back. He's redeeming and will continue to redeem people in the world. Uh, but we're living in the tension of the already, not yet. The kingdom of God has already come, but it's not yet fully come. And this is where it gets harder because there's a whole lot of people. Like, you'll watch television. Some preacher on television will tell you uh, that you're suffering. You know, you won't suffer if you just give or pray enough or have faith. But listen, nobody gets through a broken world unbroken. All of us are experienced brokenness. Suffering is normal, must be expected, and should not be wasted. Also, suffering flows downstream from bad choices. Sometimes suffering is from things we have done, some engagements that we have caused. Um, It says this in 1 Peter 2.20, For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. You know, as a river flows down towards the ocean, our sin and foolishness inevitably brings consequences that are often suffering. We want to learn from that, right? Learn from our mistakes, our foolishness, but acknowledge that suffering is normal, must be expected, and should not be wasted. Also, suffering forms us spiritually. It forms us spiritually. Um, God is more interested in growing your character than giving you comfort, which is hard. Right, I, I, you know, I share with you. We're just going through a hard time. Um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> parenting is is a journey. Um, but you know, God is more interested in growing your character than than always giving you comfort. He he is using hard times in your life, my life, for His purpose. I mean, Romans five three talks about how suffering produces endurance. Or think of Hebrews twelve seven. It is for discipline you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? Uh, or Hebrews twelve eleven. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So suffering sifts the soul. I'm opposed to it. Don't want it, but we need it. We need we need it in our lives, and God often teaches us something through it. Another principle, though, is to remember that suffering is not forever. First Peter five ten says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Sometimes that's now. 
right? Sometimes it's a, a time of refreshing that comes. Sometimes it's in eternity. There are people who live their whole lives in physical pain. People live their whole lives in abject poverty and then spend eternity in the great joy and presence of a loving Father, worshiping Him in joy forever. So again, the question is not if you'll have suffering, but how you will deal with it when it comes. If you deal with it well, it will evidence your faith and help others to see God is real. And sometimes we'll suffer for our benefit and for God's glory. Um, and I believe we can joyfully endure, endure that, short, that hardship. Because Jesus suffered and died knowing you'd not suffer when you died. Don't miss that. Jesus suffered and died knowing you'd not suffer when you died. But we have to now learn to glorify God through joy in the midst of suffering. Why? Because suffering is normal, must be expected, and should not be wasted. Okay, so going through again, this kind of, we went through some, some key points about suffering there, and I hope we got a hold of those, but let's kind of look at the big picture again. So first and foremost, we're talking about this suffering well demonstrates our faith. Suffering well demonstrates our faith. But let's keep moving through the passage. We looked at several other passages to look more broadly at suffering. But let's look more back to the passage. Suffering well develops confidence in others. Look at Philippians 3.14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So suffering doesn't increase um, your own witness always, maybe in the midst of it, but um, Sometimes it does, but it can increase the witness of others who are emboldened to share the gospel as they watch you deal with that suffering. Think about that, right? Because again, suffering's normal, must be expected, should not be wasted. I'm fascinated by the fact that Christians sometimes love only stories of overcoming suffering and not walking through it. Uh, Paul's showing us walking through it. Uh, and think about Hebrews chapter 11. It's this fascinating story. We won't turn to it for the sake of time, but Hebrews eleven thirty-two through 38. You can look at it later. It says, and the writer of Hebrews says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson. And then he goes on and on and on. All these prophets who says that they, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Isn't this great? were made strong out of weakness, so good, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, right? And wow, it's like, what an amazing story. And then it says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so they might again rise to a better life. Wow. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Can I have the uh, conquered kingdoms and force justice and obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire? Do I have to have the sawn in two, stoned sheep and goats, skins of sheep and goats? Do there are times when you walk in success by the world standards? There are many times when you may walk in great distress by the world standards, but God wants you to have joy in both. And Paul speaks of this as outrageous joy. First Peter 2.21, For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so you might follow in his steps. So in suffering, we still, in the midst of that, trust and follow Jesus. It'll encourage other Christians and challenge those who are not Christians. See, the Christian life is not intended for you to be happy all the time. Joy is to be present all the time because Jesus is present. His Spirit indwells you. Okay, so we looked, you know, first and foremost at, at kind of suffering in the big picture. Was suffering well develops confidence in others, no, number two. Number three, 
on her outline, is suffering well demands a mature response. And this is Paul modeling this, right? In Philippians 1, 15 through 18, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? I mean, listen to the mature response. Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this and that I rejoice. I mean, people talk about the early church, and they sometimes have romantic notions of it, that it was this amazing, unified place. No, there were rivalries among early churches. And it's not so much the situation as the response that maybe interests us most here, because we don't know the details. We don't know these people that he's referring to. We'll touch on the situation in a second, but let's dig into the response first. Again, think about the absurdity of the situation. Paul is suffering in the cause of Christ. As the result of his suffering, more people come to Christ. As a result, other Christians, jealous of Paul's success, begin preaching Christ more fervently, not because of obedience or love for Jesus, but because they are jealous of Paul's ministerial success. And Paul says, who cares? As long as Jesus is being proclaimed, he rejoices. Think about this, right? Think about new churches that have been planted. You know, you've been part of Calvary for a long time. You know, a lot of new churches have been planted in New York City. Uh, and, and that's a great thing, right? Um, and one of the things that happens is uh, existing pastors, sometimes they they get discouraged. Sometimes they're encouraged that there are other Christians being faithful to share the gospel. Sometimes they get jealous. Some say, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to work more fervently and hopefully for a good reason. But that's kind of what's going on with Paul here. Uh, some people don't like Paul. And encouraging people to listen to them instead, you know, there, there'll be people who don't like us. You know, Paul's, well, you know, people are going to like me. That's okay as long as they're preaching Jesus. Suffering well helps us desire others to succeed as long as Christ is proclaimed. Yes, I will rejoice, he says. Yes, I will rejoice. So I love all that's going on in this passage. It's really got a lot of amazing stuff. Um, he takes the circumstances of his imprisonment and the things people are saying behind his back And he's tying it together with one principle. What does it matter? Yes, I will rejoice. In the grand scheme of things, what does it matter? Yes, I will rejoice. As as we're going through a struggle, um, I know that God's in control. God's sovereign. As you're going through a struggle, God's sovereign. And I want to find joy in the midst of that. Why? What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. So it's fascinating. In the midst of all this, Paul's imprisoned, trapped, Christian people talking bad about him, right? All these things going on. God does not intend you to lose or gain joy in the ups and downs of life. He intends that you, in the suffering, because you know that he is enough to say to him, what does it matter? Christ is all. For me to live is Christ and to die is to gain. The reaction you have, what does it matter? In this I rejoice. To live is Christ and to die is gain. He is enough. For some of you, maybe watching, maybe someone invited you from our Calvary family, and you're not a place where you've trusted Jesus. I want you to know, I can't promise you trusting Jesus will free you of all your problems. I can tell you that they'll have the presence of Christ in the midst of those problems. See, as you receive him by grace and through faith, he's enough. So in the midst of suffering, you have Christ. Don't leave here today if you're not a follower of Jesus without calling upon his name. Matter of fact, maybe suffering brought you to watch today. Don't leave here today without responding. Listen to this verse. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He is enough. 
If you're not a follower of Christ, I want to encourage you to call on his name, receive by grace and through faith the good news of the gospel. Become a follower of Jesus. He is enough. Now, here's the thing. You might be rich, healthy, and happy sometimes. You might be poor, sick, and sad sometimes, but you can still have joy. Don't miss this, right? Um, In the midst of all this, um, I, I want you not to miss the reality that Jesus is enough. Doesn't that make you want to just love Jesus more? Doesn't embolden you? Doesn't make you want to share the gospel with others? Suffering has that way of drawing us to Christ and lighting the church's passion on fire. That's why I want even as I wanted to share to you today. You know, just sharing the fact that we're going through some struggle. Why? Because in doing so, you can know that I'm I'm leaning to Christ. I'm trusting Him. Pastors are not immune from challenges as well, and in the midst of that. I can have joy, maybe not having a great day, but I can have joy in the midst of that. So can you, whether it's we're sick, whether we're struggling with our children, whether we're, whether we're in an economic downturn, whether we've lost our job, I can have peace that passes all understanding. I can have joy that only comes through King Jesus. So let me encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're part of our Calvary family, can I just encourage you that this is a reminder for all of us. Remember early on, I said, this is like, um, training like basic training because you're gonna you're gonna suffer it's it's i don't want to i don't want to put that on you in a bad sense but it's just part of the life and the world in which we live suffering is normal must be expected and should not be wasted don't waste your suffering instead if you're a follower of jesus if you're in the midst of suffering let's lay it upon call upon him let's lay it at his feet let's trust him let's walk in joy even in the midst of hard times would you pray with me Father, we acknowledge today that by your grace and goodness, you've redeemed us and called us by name. As followers of Jesus, Lord, we, we know we go through hard times and we trust you in the midst of them. Father, we trust you to give us grace and strength and peace, your presence. You don't give us all the answers as to why we suffer, but you give us yourself. And Lord, with Paul as our example, we lay it at your feet and trust and receive from you joy. For those who are not followers of Jesus, Lord, I pray you speak to their hearts right now. Burden them. Have the have them take that next step. Reach out to us through phone call or online comment, and we can connect with them and share more of the good news of the gospel that doesn't make all your problems go away, but causes you to see all your problems in a different light, the light of the gospel, grace and peace and joy that's unimaginable and maybe not understandable to the world, but is ours in Christ. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Tell It From Calvary. For more information, to connect, make a prayer request, or make a contribution, go to our website at www.cbcnyc.org or call us at 212-975-0170. We hope you'll join us next time as we continue to tell it from Calvary.